Good evening, everyone. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The name of the message tonight is Preaching the Gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 to 8. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of man sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Now last week in our study, we looked at how Paul had suffered for the gospel along with Savanus and Timothy and how they were treated shamefully at Philippi for preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned last week, all born again, blood washed believers in Christ, all we need for refreshing and revival is the preaching of the wonderful gospel of salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Now modern day religion uses schemes and methods to increase numbers, but we do not need such methods. We need but to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only great battering ram that shall dash down the bulwarks of iniquity. We need no new schemes nor new plans, but we need to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to preach the word of God. Tonight's message will be on the importance of preaching as we look at what Paul pens to the Thessalonian believers by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul was on a missionary journey that our Lord Jesus Christ again had appointed for him. Our great God had ordained this missionary journey before time began. And those who were with him were also ordained by God to be sent to Macedonia with him. And the Macedonians, which would hear the word of God, preached to them, the ones who would hear the word of God preached with power by the Holy Spirit of God were ordained to eternal life by our great God. And this all came to pass according to God's perfect sovereign plan. Now take note in verse 2 that despite how they were treated in Philippi, they continued to go on to Thessalonica and preach the gospel as they were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. They did this, of course, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the grave, the same power that raises us from our dead natural state that regenerates us is the same power that these men went forth and preached the gospel in. It is our great God who keeps us. It is our great God who preserves us. It's our great God who strengthens us all by his grace and his mercy. He keeps us in the way. No matter what comes our way, he keeps us in the way, even if it is through much contention, just as he did here with Paul and Savanus and Timothy. And never forget that it was Christ working in them that gave them the boldness that they had. And it's true for every true born-again child of God. Never, never, 
Never lean on your own understanding. Never, never, never lean on your own strength because you will fall every single time. You will fall flat on your face every single time. What an encouragement to those who are sent by God to preach the gospel. We must never waver to preach the gospel at all times. When the Lord opens a door of utterance for us, we need to lay to memory those words of our Lord. Without me, you can do nothing. And this is true of every born-again child of God. We need to remember that without Christ, we can do nothing. I've seen people get more in trouble just going ahead of the Lord and thinking, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And it just causes trouble. It just causes trouble. My, oh, my. It does not take much for we who are the born-again children of God to realize the truth of the words of our Master when he says, without me you can do nothing. All it takes, it doesn't take much, all it takes for us to find that out is a little trial, a little tribulation, and it'll be proved to us. That truth will be proved to us very, very fast. Let's now look at verse 3 where we see that the apostles' preaching was not in vain and not in deceit. They told their hearers the truth without holding anything back. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Paul, Savannah, and Timothy were not trying to get a following. They weren't seeking to please men. They were not seeking to get a following. Their design was not to win their hearers to themselves or to glory in their flesh, no, 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 no. They came to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that their preaching was not in vain and knowing that God would use it to accomplish his sovereign almighty will. And they sought to glorify God by preaching Christ and Christ alone. They sought to glorify God by lifting up Christ to their hearers and leaving the results of the preaching in God's hands. And this, beloved of God, is the attitude of all of God's gospel preachers. And it should be the attitude of all his born-again, blood-washed people. We should never seek praise or the applause of man. Never. Everything we do, everything we say, should be for the glory of our great God, to draw attention to him and him alone. And not to self. Not to self. I like what Joe Terrell does. And you find that I do that too sometimes in my bulletin articles that I write. Joe just puts Joe. And I like to just put Wayne. You know, I don't have to put the title that I have before me. I don't want to draw attention to myself. You know, and I know that's what Joe, Joe told me. That's why he does not He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Oh, what a way to, what a way to be. Lord, Lord, keep us that way. Keep us that way, Lord, by thy grace. Everything we do should be for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to him. To him. I ask you, do you seek to draw attention to yourself? It may be subtle. It may be very subtle. You, uh, you, you might not even think you do it, and you do it. Do you seek to draw attention to yourself? Some people do it willingly. They hide it, though, under a cloak of supposed meekness. But they're basically just drawing attention to themselves. So I ask you, do you seek to draw attention to yourself? Do you seek the preeminence? Do you want do you want people to think highly of you? Do you seek to be in the forefront, in the leadership position? 
Let people know you're in the leadership position. You seek that. Oh, my. You seek the praise of man. You're seeking to get a pat in the back for what you do. Oh, my. If you do, then you need to repent. If you seek those things, you need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you. Because that's not the spirit of Christ. That's not the spirit of Christ at all. Now, God's preachers, we're not in the ministry for monetary gain. Those who support the gospel should give their monies for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that everything we have comes from him, and knowing that all we give is to support the furtherance of the gospel. When we give, we should give back a portion to the Lord for the furtherance of his gospel and out of our love for the Savior, with a sincere desire that he would be glorified. This is the only true motive of why we give so the gospel will go forth and that God would get the glory. Now look at verse 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. But as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as man-pleasing, but God, which trieth our hearts. I, I'm looking at putting a message together about how Christ is our banner. He's our ensign. And one of the commentators writes that the preacher is like a standard bearer. We just hold up. All we do is hold up the ensign. And that ensign is Christ. That's who we rally around. He's the one who we rally around. (laughs) Beloved of God, only a very small number of men in each generation are ordained of God to preach his gospel. And it is God himself who allows us the honor of being entrusted with his gospel. Also, in like manner, only a very small number of men and women are united together as called out assemblies, the elect of God the born-again children of God in different areas of the world. And it is our Lord Jesus Christ who allows local churches to be entrusted with his gospel. Never forget that the pastor and members of the local churches have a greater honor bestowed upon us than most of us really realize. Because it's God who has allowed us to meet together and to worship in his name. It is God who has allowed us to have a place where we can gather together and worship to him. And never forget, it is God who has allowed all this to occur according to his sovereign plan. We are born again by the Holy Spirit of God according to his sovereign plan. Christ Jesus our Lord died on the cross as our great substitute according to the sovereign plan of God. And it is God who allows this church to continue. It is he, our Lord Jesus Christ, who meets with his people where the gospel is preached, where two or three are gathered together in his name. He is with us. There is he in the midst of us, Scripture declares. Now, Ichabod, which means no glory, it's written by the invisible hand of God over all the churches where the true gospel is not preached. It does not matter how beautiful the church building is or how educated and well-dressed the minister may be or how gifted he is with speaking abilities. The Lord Jesus Christ is not glorified where the gospel is not preached. These assemblies are an abomination to our great God. They're an abomination to the Lord of glory. And Jesus Christ has not allowed them to be put in trust with his glorious gospel of salvation in him alone. The false prophets of Baal, of modern religion, are today's blind leaders of the blind. They are on the broad road to destruction, the broad religious path that leads to destruction. And if they go through that door marked death, believe in those lies, all of them, and there are no exceptions, shall fall headlong into the ditch they're headed for and shall suffer the righteous judgment of God forever in eternal torment. Paul brings forth that gospel preachers are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so, we speak 
we speak what we know. Paul heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was Christ who taught him the gospel. He believed what he heard. Therefore, he preached what he had been taught for the glory of Jesus Christ, his Savior. And like the prophets of old, when he preached the gospel, he said, Thus saith the Lord. And this is true of all those who are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. We don't try to persuade people with our opinions. No, we've heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to our heart through his word and him using faithful preachers of his gospel. And our Lord Jesus Christ taught us the truth that is clearly set forth in his holy word. And we, again, just speak what we know. We're just like every other believer in Christ. We've been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We've been granted faith to believe. And then we get to tell others the great things which God has done for us. We do not debate the gospel. We do not debate gospel truths. No, not at all. The gospel preacher declares the great gospel truths in the word of God, pointing our hearers to the Holy Scriptures, which point our hearers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, thus saith the Lord. We don't give you our opinion. We say, this is what the word of God says. And we believe what we preach. And we preach what we believe. We warn our congregations to beware of false prophets, as the word of God says, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So if someone gets up and say they're speaking for God and they speak not according to the word of God, then there's no light in them. It doesn't matter what they say. They're a false prophet. Beloved of God and all who hear this message, the light of Jesus Christ is not in anyone who makes salvation conditional upon what man must do in order to be saved, including those who believe in free will doctrine. Our Lord Jesus Christ has made a very clear distinction between his sheep and those who are not his sheep, when he said to some unbelieving Jews, Ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. John chapter 10, verses 26 to 30. Very clear do we see that salvation is of the Lord, and it is in Christ and Christ alone. It's not a condition on anything man does. It's the work of God. Christ went to the cross and died on the cross in the room and place of his people. It's he who shed his precious blood to redeem his people from all their sins. It's he who did this great work. Pastor Henry Mann wrote this article I'd like to read to you. Woe to anyone who disregards the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone. Paul wrote, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. But woe is unto you if I preach it and you do not believe it. You may not understand it. It may not fit in with your tradition and your denominational plan. And I'm sure if it is the gospel, it won't. Because Christ didn't fit the denominational pattern when he came down here either. He didn't fit into their religious theology, their tradition, or their mold, and they crucified him. My message may not fit what your mother taught you, but she wasn't sent of God to preach the gospel. I am. If I don't believe that, I would quit. Do you see what I'm saying? 
I am saying, woe is unto you, and woe is unto everyone, everybody under the sound of my voice, if I preach the gospel, and you don't believe it, end quote. All of God's preachers take the preaching of his gospel very serious. We are not playing church, and all who preach the gospel, and all who believe the gospel, should lay these words of our Lord to heart. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John chapter 3 verse 36. Now let's look at verse 5. Remembering that Paul wrote these words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Paul did commend God's saints for their labor of love in spreading the true gospel, even when they suffered persecution. They did not change their words because they did not want to offend certain people who were listening. Paul was to say, thus saith the Lord. Paul was to say, your own righteousness is, is filthy rags. Paul was to say he had nothing to commend them to God. He was to tell them that there was nothing in them that would commend them to God because there is none good, no, not one. Paul knew as do all of God's preachers that a man or a woman must see themselves lost before they can be found. They must see themselves sinful through and through before they can see their need to be cleansed. They must see themselves as unable to save themselves before they will see their need of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior of sinners. They must see themselves as lost and undone before God, before they will see our great God is merciful. And then, by the grace of God and that alone, they will cry out for mercy to our great God, having been born again by his almighty power. Now, most false preachers flatter their hearers by saying, all of you have a spark of good in you. They tell people, all you have to do is fan that spark and it'll burst into flames of good deeds, and that will make you acceptable to God. How many times have I heard people say, well, I'm a good person, that that makes me acceptable to God. I'd be a rich man if everyone gave me a penny for that. My, oh my, it's awful. It's not even scriptural. And then, then the worst I think of it all, they say, well, God's done all that he can do. Now the rest is up to you. I heard somebody recently before this pandemic hit say that to me. I said, that's a lie. That's an outright lie. My, oh my. My, God's done all he can do for you. Now the rest is up to you. If salvation was in man's hands, nobody would be saved. Absolutely nobody. But praise be to God, salvation's in the Lord's hands, and he saves some. He saves his people. He has. He has. He saved his people from, from their sins on Calvary's cross. Praise be to God. These false preachers proclaim that God must get your permission before he can do anything for you. That's not of the Bible. That's not even the God of the Bible. That's so foreign to the God of the Bible. It makes God dependent upon the sinner rather than the sinner dependent on our great God. See, it's all been turned upside down, hasn't it, by these false preachers. And then they use these flattering words to gain the applause of, of those they preach to. And then they get them to open their wallets. And you know, it works. It works for them. Oh, beloved to God, Paul did not do such things. Paul did not use a cloak of covetousness. Paul did not use the ministry as a cloak or a covering to hide a covetous and greedy motive. A covetous and greedy motive exposes most of today's false preachers and TV evangelists as they do use the ministry as a cloak of covetousness to line their own pockets. Money, filthy liquor, is why they are all in the ministry and they have no care for the souls of the multitude of men and women that they speak to. 
God's glory and the eternal welfare of their hearers never enter into their thoughts, never enter into the picture. And most of them are not bashful about their ungodly, greedy spirit. Most of their preaching is devoted to a plea for people's money. That's not of God. That's not of God, beloved. Beloved of God, all of God's preachers trust the Lord Jesus Christ to provide the monies that are needed to support the ministry that God has called us to. And we also trust our providential God to provide our physical needs. Our business as God's preachers is to preach the gospel, the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone, which God has entrusted us with. And these faithful men, Paul and Savanus and Timothy, they preach the truth of how God became a man of how the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world, second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, came to this world. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came here to save his people from their sins. And they preach that it is only by the shedding of the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that the people of God are redeemed, purchased from the slave block of sin, and forgiven of all their sins only through the precious, precious blood of the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless one, dying for sinners. And God's faithful preachers proclaim that it is only by the perfect sin-atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, only by him and him alone. And we proclaim that God is fully satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ in the place of God's people. And we preach that God has raised Christ from the grave for our justification, for the justification of his people. And that right now, right now, right this second, and right with every second that'll come until the Lord comes back again and into eternity, Christ is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father on the majesty on high. In all power and in all majesty, praise his mighty name. And look at these words in verse 5 and notice who is, who is witness to these things Paul writes about. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. That faithful apostle to the Gentiles, when he preached the gospel, God was his witness that he did so. Not only was Paul stating this truth, but we know that he was writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, we know that Paul wrote what was the truth. And this truth still stands, still stands true today for God's preachers. God is our witness. God is our witness. Now, this is true of every born-again child of God, too. God is a witness to the things that we do, that we say, that we think. And Paul pens these words in the book of Hebrews, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow that is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I ask you and myself, do we really believe what Paul wrote here? Do we really believe that as Paul wrote, God is our witness? Our Lord Jesus Christ looks right down into the depths of our innermost being. He knows what is there better than we do. God is witness, beloved. And our Lord Jesus Christ knows if we really love him. He knows if we are serious about supporting his gospel with our time and labor of love. He knows. He knows if we really desire to be with his saints at the appointed time of worship. He knows what we are thinking when we're singing. He knows what we are thinking when the message is being preached. The minds of some are on the things of this world. Worldly pleasure, business, finances, medical problems, 
or any other worldly concerns, and God is witness to these things. Thus we cry out with the hymn writer, Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Beloved, how thankful we should be for God's preserving grace. Oh, listen to these words by our dear brother Jude. And remember that these words are penned again by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Jude 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. And we're closed with these words by Paul. Writing on this very same subject, moved by the Holy Spirit of God, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Amen and amen.